What began as rumors have quickly become reports and first-hand experiences shared far and wide across Shavala. At its core, the message is simple. The seas are no longer safe. Three fishing vessels have gone missing off the coast of Reach. The hull of a large cargo vessel carrying goods out of Night City slowly sunk beneath the water with no explanation, not appearing to take on any water, resulting in the death of 57 passengers and three dinosaurs. Waterlogged parchments have begun washing ashore, littering the beaches, rocky coasts, and port cities all across Shavalo. Upon every parchment reads the same inky message. You should not have touched Irma. Vengeance shall be swift. Welcome to Questopedia, a character and world building podcast. I'm Brian Perry. I'm Houston Bobbley. And I'm Jake Bush. And looks like looks like we're in danger. In the water. Sure are. Like oh no. Um, this is uh I wanna say this is the, the most like global one of our uh setup, like one of the prompts has ever felt. You know what I mean? You're yeah, like we're... referencing cities we've already established. Doesn't it feel like we're kind of like bringing it full circle or full horseshoe. It's almost like we've built a whole world here. Yeah, we're getting there. I think the podcasters should get a raise this 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 upcoming year for how well they've been doing with their communicating their vessels. Yeah, exactly. Across the land. Yeah. I thought you met us for a second. And I was like, yeah, we should be getting paid double. Wait, you guys are getting paid? I, I don't <laughs> think we should get paid double. I think we should get paid is what I was get paid at all. Because double of what we're getting paid right now would be nothing. No, <laughs> and that's your math lesson brought to you by Jake Bush. <laughs> yep. Um. So yeah, we've got a mess. It looks like. Um. Seems like directly related to what we did last episode, which was build a cool tunnel that had a little cool submarine thing that went out to the central island of the face of the planet that people had previously not been to, as far as we know. It was an uncontacted settlement. Yeah, that's a quicker way of saying it but it turns out we should never have built that tunnel turns out you should not have touched Shermov. vengeance shall be swift and i do need to apologize for the previous episode because uh walt glace was uh was great and i love the song walt grace submarine test 1967 <laughs> thank you and i converted <laughs> even though i didn't get the reference as we were recording i'm actually very excited to re-listen to that episode so that i get all the references thank you Yes, and, and I would encourage anybody who was very confused by my uh, character and all their backstory and everything and all the rhyming schemes that I threw in to go listen to the song Walt Grace's Submarine Test 1967 or something like that by John Mayer. It's a phenomenal song that tells the story of a man who built a submarine. Or you can be like me and just ignore it <laughs> and just move on with your life. Yeah, that's also an option. But you won't appreciate that last episode as much. Um, so what what's going on here, Jake? What is the what is the great threat that you have pre-prepared before this episode? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Oh. Now I think that um we we ought to kind of give a little bit more context here. So I mentioned some of the instances that have been taking place, right? Those are just a few examples, but essentially right. anybody who finds themselves in or near the water um is basically finding themselves in fatal situations and so people have quickly stopped going into the water and to make things even more global our sea kingdoms that we have established they're becoming even more connected with the outside world because they have begun coming to the surface and basically arriving in other cities as refugees 
because they are saying that similar things are happening in their colonies and the water is no longer safe. The and so, people on this podcast say I kill off characters and they and they berate me for it. <laughs> Jake kills off entire communities and civilizations. He's like, yeah, rate. 57 and, people, whatever, they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently no one cares except me. So just let <laughs> well, it be known. You've killed more people on this podcast than me. And I've killed more dinosaurs too. I killed three whole dinosaurs. You We're going to have monster. an episode. Someone's going to make a video that's like, let's get the kill count of every every uh, <laughs> host on Questopedia. And, and then like, they'll get to this episode. It's going to be like Star Wars, where like Chopper the droid is like has the highest kill count or whatever. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah, and so I, I think we open it up as our world-building prompt, because I sort of have some, uh, let's say, insider knowledge, but I think we should open it up and discuss, as a world-building prompt, what sorts of menacing threats are lurking around Shivalu. And, and I'm not just saying around Shearmoth, but around Shivalu, in the water, out of the water. We already know of one, which is, yeah. um, what was his name? Actual cannibal. Oh, Raya LaGruff. Raya LaGruff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's one. Still at large, I might this, mention. This feels bigger than Raya LaGruff, right? Oh, like... yes. That was, a, that was, a, that was a, a very localized situation. Yeah. This is continent-wide, or I guess... Face wide, we'll say it. Yeah, face wide. Yeah. So with this, are we ultimately building up to what the threat is? Like, you don't have a specific threat in mind that we need. I do. Like, unless you guys guess a cooler one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so that's our goal. Be cooler than Jake's brain. Um, I'm, I'm trying to piece together some of your clues. Right, I'm reading through your narration that you just read. Um, you do mention Green Valley. I assume you mean Scarlet Valley. There, I don't think we have it. Oh, never mind. From the valleys, no. Green Valley. Yeah. And they are all, the... they all have coasts on them as well. They do. If right. you look at the map, I'm quite um, the cartographer. Yes. Um, which is interesting because the place is surrounded by mountains because they're valleys. So I, I like the idea that it's a very remote beach on the other side of the mountains. And some teenagers went out there and, uh, you know, we're getting yeah. up no good. And then, like any horror movie, when someone's up to no good, they get punished for their sins. And I mean, the obvious <laughs> reference here is Jaws, the ultimate killer of sins. Yeah. You go skinny dipping, he's going to get you, because that's yeah. the worst sin of all. Okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Is it Bruce the Shark? Is it Bruce the Shark? That is my question. No, because Bruce is a vegetarian. You know, oh, well, Bruce in, Bruce in Finding Nemo, the original, he's... Bruce and Finding Nemo, fun fact, is named after Bruce the Shark in Jaws. Sorry, Jaws? Is that, is that a, a movie? I'm just familiar with Finding Nemo. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Um, I think there the, have to be tentacles involved, is what I'm yeah, saying. There's a lot of yanking going on, it feels like. And the sharks aren't really known for yanking. And do you recall what type of message was scrawled on these parchments? Oh, you did say it was inky. That, that's also probably what got me thinking about it, was the inky is, messages on parchments. Is it Squidward from Spongebob? Is <gasps> oh, that no. the threat? How did you know? The threat <laughs> is Squidward himself, and he's mad because we interrupted his clarinet practice. Uh -oh. But his name is Blidford. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, I'll give you uh, what I basically determined. So, okay. um, they, people of Shivalu, like, Sea travel has been a thing for a while, but as we've kind of been establishing as we get further in, like it's becoming more and more of a thing, right? Because there are like other dangers that we have established on the water, like giant sea bubbles that might crash into taverns, right? Yep. 
but part of the reason that uh, Shearmoff is uncontacted is because people from long, long, long ago knew what it was, and it has been lost down the memory hole of history. Wait, it was lost? And... I knew it. <laughs> the island was the smoke, lost island. Smoke monster. <laughs> no, um, but basically, people, there are legends that it was cursed. There are legends that a beast resides there. Essentially, Shearmoff is the sanctuary slash temple of the Kraken and its army of Kraken priests. Okay, that's very cool. Like, so by building a tunnel, we have desecrated. They're really good at omelets, right? They just they just like Kraken eggs. Is that kind of the idea? Yes. Yep. They lay Kraken eggs, and then they're Kraken eggs to make omelets. I I'm not familiar with the monster Kraken. I I think Jake just made it. <laughs> Oh man, that's that's a reversal of the Jaws joke from earlier. <laughs> Classic. Have you ever seen Squidward? Okay, bigger. Yes. Just think bigger and scarier. Still wearing a brown Big polo word. shirt. Still wearing a brown polo shirt. And he's in, upgraded in... <laughs> from a clarinet to a saxophone. What about yes. this? What if all the priests look like that? Like all the priests <laughs> of this temple, they're all just like Squidwards, and and they're like zealot religious hats look yeah. kind of just like a long clarinet on top of their head oh yeah. that's cool what if they okay. have what if they're like size doodles in star wars and they have like a clarinet like nose okay which kind of hangs down so they're like you know what like it, squid but like an extra big old mouth are you like talking that. about the it's a trap guy the calamari no size noodles is a spy that appears in episode four i believe oh the one with that and the oh, goggle wait, eyes no, size noodles is a singer in max rebo's band that is added in C the cgi one you know yeah. Who, is, who am I thinking of? She also has a very long mouth, but I'm thinking of what's his name. He's Squidward. That's that was his sure. official Star Squidward, Wars. Yeah, <clears throat> I remember Squidward from Episode Four. I'll figure it out. Anyway, so yeah, that's basically what the threat is. Um, it is a giant kraken that has been awakened by our desecration of the Temple of Shearmoth, and uh, in this world, the kraken is basically a a like leviathan sized squid monster cthulhu type thing that plays the saxophone and wears a brown polo shirt and all of his priests uh <laughs> also wear brown polo shirts and play clarinets in uh, i think they wear the brown homage. polo shirts under their like hoods right you gotta wear hoods if you're gonna be the priest of a yeah of an elder god mm -hmm. or whatever his name so... is long snoot by the way the spy uh, his real name is garen did also known as long snoot which is what i was trying to remember <laughs> do you nice. think when they designed him that they just grabbed a plague mask and just put it, it on a guy and then painted vibe. over it. it does have that vibe yeah um are we saying that the entire island is the temple then or is it is it a natural island and there's a temple on the island it's a natural island but okay. uh it is think of it like this the uh, well okay it is a natural island but the kraken like lives under and around it it like okay. like deep 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 under the sea the kraken is like holding on to this island um, all the way around because it's so gigantic, and so the Kraken priests, which our our Kraken is like in alignment with, they have built a temple on top of the island in homage to the Kraken Got itself. It. And I like the idea that there's access to the inside of the island from the water very easily, right? Yeah, because we did kind of establish that we were building a tunnel into the side of it, so I mm -hmm. think there are some probably natural tunnels as well um, that the Kraken would be able to move in and out of. Do we have a name for this Kraken thing? Is it just Squidward? Big Word? <laughs> it's Big Word, yeah. All right. He took it right out of my mouth. I can live with that. 
<laughs> Big word. All right. So, um, yeah, that's what we're facing here. But um, it's also important to note that our characters don't necessarily know that yet, right? right. They just know that anybody who touches the water or goes into it is um, in grave danger. And also, they're starting to think that even on land, uh, people might be in grave danger if they're too close to the water. Yeah. So our goal here is to introduce our characters because now that our uh, our 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 I keep wanting to say continent, but the the entire face Let's say of world. Let's say yeah. world. Because this now is that, the entire world to them. Right, right, right. Now that our our world is becoming more interconnected and whatnot, they have called together sort of a federation of all of the different regions, both underwater and overwater. And um they have assembled like a council, essentially, where people will decide what are we gonna do about this. And our characters are on that council for one reason or another. And that is what we are here to explain. The reasons might make sense. They might be good reasons. They might be bad reasons, but they're all there. Can we all agree that there is a SpongeBob character? Like, he doesn't have to be <laughs> SpongeBob, but right. there's a man or woman or creature of some sorts named SpongeBob who will be involved in the plan. Doesn't have to be one of ours, but yeah, that they yes. are. Someone on the council this... is named SpongeBob. Okay, yeah. great. But there's all some, like, fantasy apostrophes in there. Yeah. To make it <laughs> yes. look more fantasy. <laughs> and Nickelodeon. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, one feature that I would like to add to the Kraken and the Kraken priests, I think that they are immune to moon dust. I was just thinking about it. How would you be able to survive out in that area? The reason, one of the reasons we've said that it's harder to get out into the deep water is that the moon dust just isn't being harvested out there yet. I think that they're immune to it. And I think that's an interesting like feature to add to make them sort of tied to the world. Like it's, it's very unique that moon dust doesn't affect them. There's something in the like, I feel like with a lot of cults and whatnot, there's always that initiation chalice that you drink. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's got like some sort of uh, poison immunity in it. Like I'm thinking. And maybe it's the Robert blood Downey of the Jack in the Cell. It's the blood of Big yeah. Word. Blood of Big Word will the protect you from Big the Word. moon dust. And I think that's where it happens. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Should we get into right. our characters then? Yeah. Okay. Um, we'd like to go first. I could go first. Kind of <laughs> I just got into the document and just saw Big Word in all caps. Oh, it's getting bigger. <laughs> Oh, I wait. As a just as an afterthought, um, in terms of since our prompt wasn't necessarily just define what the monster is, it's define what kind of threats <laughs> there are all across. I'm also going to add a bullet here that um there are Alaskan bullworms. Well, right. we actually have established an Alaskan bullworm, which is the draft snake that Taraco is ah. built out of. So we do have that. We do there already have a, a SpongeBob inspired uh uh snake in there. Uh, Perfect. I, Going back to what you're saying, though, like threat, general threats and stuff like that, I think we have to assume that the stuff that we're seeing happen, right? The vessels being pulled down underwater, people on the beach going missing, things like that. I think it just has to be these priests going out and doing these things. Yes. And they have such such ease of motion in even in the very heavily moon dusted water that they're right. able to like get around everywhere. So like, yeah. And, and also, I might add that like, this, if you look at the map, it's not like it's a small island. It's not like it's a tiny little atoll. It's like, it's an island, and there could be hundreds and hundreds of Kraken priests on it. Did you know that atoll does, has nothing to do with the size? It's because it's ring-shaped. I didn't know that until I started doing crossword puzzles. What do you know? Interesting. Yeah, cool. an atoll means it's ring-shaped. All right, that's officially canon as well. <laughs> that's Geography 101 for the listener. Great. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you were docu documenting that in our... Uh, or world building notes that <laughs> yeah. means it's ring shaped. 
That's also true in Chavalo, not just in the real world. Yeah, but right. uh, Kirmov is not an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> there are no assholes in Chavalo. There might be assholes. No, yeah. I, I'm atolls. going to make a declarative statement. There is no atolls okay. in Chavalo. And no if we ever island. find on our map that there is a circular island, we have to put a dent in it. Royal Balte is kind of an atoll because it is a reverse valley on, on an island. I think that there's like mountain on an island. At some point, some like geographer was just like, you know, if there was ever a ring shaped island, that would be called an atoll. And <laughs> it is defined in like, this world, but there aren't too any. bad we don't have any. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Right. What rich world building we're establishing here? Yes, there are no okay. atolls in Shavalo. That's the biggest takeaway from this first? episode. Humans and atolls, the biggest, the biggest things that everyone's <laughs> yeah. missing out on. Uh, I can go. First. Atolls are so stereotypical, just like humans. So we didn't, we are not allowing them in our world. Yeah, no exactly. more atolls. No more humans. Um, cool. Can I jump into my character? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So my character is actually a sea elf. Fun. Um, his name is Darvid, and Dar, um, uh, but he always thought that name was kind of dorky. He doesn't like it very much, and so he just goes by Worf. I agree. Worf. He, he goes by Worf. Even even, even dorkier because it's a Star Trek reference. Even dorkier <laughs> for knowing a Star Trek reference. Oh, boom. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, he goes by Worf, or like sometimes when he's trying to be cooler, he goes by the Worf, right? Oh, Worf is a C thing too. Right, 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 right. Got mm -hmm. it. Okay. Yep. A war. Um, he is a sea elf. He is actually a native to Green Valley, um, part of Scarlet Valley, or or not Scarlet. Sorry, what's it called? Part of uh, Nighter Lakes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, basically one of the the sub valleys. Yeah. And um, sorry, Super Links, not Nighter Lakes. There we go. Yeah. Who um, named the continent? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> they just came into being. Yeah. But um. He, like, doesn't really have a class. He more just has a job. Okay. And that is that he is a lifeguard. Fun. Um, but he considers himself a paladin. Oh, but and, he's not? Well, he just considers himself a paladin in the sense that, like, it is his, <laughs> like, God-given duty to, like, protect all beachgoers from anything that might befall them. And okay. so... He breaks his oath if someone drowns on his watch. Oathbreaker paladin. I'm a lifeguard who didn't rescue a dude once. That's that's basically that's basically it oh, because nice. because he was um actually at the beach in in uh well he was located in Green Valley. Uh he had a shift there when those five teenagers were pulled under the water violently. And he oh, saw it no. happen be behind his own like before his own eyes and he like grabbed his little ring hoop thing and he like dove off into the water and he swam out and by the time he got there uh, they were just nowhere to be seen. And then other people were like screaming at him to get back in. And so he swam back in and he feels so ashamed that he wasn't able to rescue them, that he basically elected himself to this council and said like, I am the greatest lifeguard that has ever lived. I broke my oath by not defending these people from the waters. I shall not rest until I overcome this menace that is menacing our seas. And Jake, so are you, are you pulling Dwayne the Rock Johnson from Baywatch as your inspiration for this character? <laughs> no, oh, but I will okay. tell you. I was gonna say I feel like you're that's a pretty good one. I will tell you. I was gonna say you're reaching at this point, Jake. But continue. No, no, no. But he, but he is a character who's like kind of buff, kind of full of himself. Oh, he thinks Zach he's Efron a lot cooler than Baywatch. he is. Um, and so like I said, his name is Darvid, 
but he goes by Warf. Previously, like he doesn't tell many people this, but his full name is um Darvid Hasselwarf. Ah, uh, okay, we were on the right track. Got you it. were on the right track, both with the Baywatch. It is Baywatch, and with Just the SpongeBob reference, character. to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it all works together. <laughs> because uh, in like thinking about his personality. Don't just think David Hasselhoff. Think like um, David Hasselhoff in the SpongeBob movie. How he's like. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm, I'm Darwin Hasselwarf. Exactly. And I shall defeat this menace from our seas. Right? He's yeah. very like self-important. And um, like I said, he doesn't like using his full name. That's why he goes by the Wharf. I mean, and yeah. uh, every once in a while, like if somebody finds out what his full name is, they say like, hey, why? Like, what's the explanation behind changing your name? And just going by the wharf. And he always just responds, I don't know, less hassle. <laughs> Is that a real David Hasselhoff thing? Because I want it to be. That he just calls himself I could the see Hoff. him saying that. <laughs> I don't know that he's ever he said that. But when I was oh, yeah. uh, preparing my character, I did type just in. Just let um... the legend live. Let, let's <laughs> just start that rumor that David Hasselhoff just calls himself. I mean, Hoff. I don't see why we have to let David Hasselhoff have it. I think we have Darvid Hasselwarf have it. Yeah, Darvid Hasselwarf. Hasselwarf. He decided to start going by the wharf uh, because it's less hassle. That's good. Um, yeah, and essentially, so yeah, that's that's him, and he uh, has a plan in mind. Um, but I think so. How do we want to do this? Do we want to like present what each person's plan is when we present our characters, or should we present our characters and then roll and then describe? Mm -hmm. I think we do that, right? Then we describe what their approach was going to be. To... I think so. I mean, I don't have a plan yet, so. I think my character is less interesting on his own and more interesting in context of his plan. So oh, okay. that would be He's my vote. representing a plan. Yeah. And what if we went, what if we went Brian next and then we did Houston and we use that as like the transition into discussing plan. Snake draft it. It's yes. already perfect. I will go next then. Uh, my character's name is Beto Codleone. Um, which we have we have dealt with the Codleone family before um, when we were in Dark City. So the mm -hmm. Codleones are the ones who who run all of the Triton Triads in the in town. And uh, Speedo Codleone is the Don, right? Speedo Codleone, of course, <laughs> in charge of everything. So are you doing a Jake reference and you're just manipulating Vito Cor Corleone? Oh, a hundred percent. I think actually, if I look in my notes from that episode, his name is Vito. And then in quotations, Speedo Codleone. His name is actually Vito Codleone, which is literally one letter off. Okay. Love it. I, uh, yeah, I also absolutely. heard Beto, so it oh, made no, no. it so feel Beto, like you were trying extra No, no, hard. Beto is my new character who okay. <laughs> rhymes with Fredo, actually, because it's the son <laughs> of Speedo. Right. Um, so he is the fixer, right? He's not actually based on the character of Fredo, just, just the pun. Uh, he's a mastermind rogue. He is a triton. And whenever I do a triton, I like to define like what type of fish do they kind of get their aesthetic from he's a beta fish um so he's got kind of uh bluish skin with like red frills and like his hair is frills slicked back uh you know wearing a fedora or whatever i don't know um but he's a mastermind rogue and he's just kind of there he runs a lot of the legitimate businesses that the mob runs right like the mob has to have its like legitimate like front businesses um his main job is he is the cmo of triple crown which a is a racing seahorse breeding and training center. So they're you know, uh, love it. I love it. Put a put a pin right there in that. Okay. Like you can keep going, but I guess like put a little asterisk noting that Houston. It feels honored that for once him and Brian 
were on the same page as opposed yes. to him and Jake. Yes, because you were doing a seahorse breeding <laughs> and training center. Um, Not exactly, but oh, okay. seahorses are involved. We'll oh, good. say that. Very good. Um, so like Triple Crown, there's seahorse racing, obviously. Like, and obviously, um, the the Triton are involved, and so he he kind of he runs this like seahorse breeding and training center, but. It, this time he's not he, he is going to be going on behalf of the family but it's personal it's more personal than that for him because Sophia Ladrone is his beloved cousin they're very good friends and when she went missing last season she mm. thinks he thinks that this may be this may help find her maybe it's related to her disappearance I, I think we've established that it's not I think they're totally different things going on but that's what has sort of piqued his interest to get involved here so he basically goes to Speedo and says, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I got to get involved with this. You know, normally this wouldn't be our thing, but this is this is touching above above ground and below water. And that we really need to be involved. <laughs> and he kind of he doesn't really explain it. It's, it's just for Sophia. But, you know, what makes it really personal. He hates littering. And those oh. notes, those ink stained messages on the beach, he can't take it. So he, he has a million reasons to be involved and zero reasons not to be. So he's just wow. he's ready. He. I think there's a little bit of like the ulterior motive of like he has to represent the family. He's gonna be doing that, but I think he is legitimately just a good guy who wants to wants to help, wants to fix things. I think that's a thread of a lot of my characters. Actually, they have sort of like these ulterior motives, but generally decent decent folks. Um, wow, my, you my got celebrity a good heart, Brian. My celebrity lookalike this episode is uh, following from my friend that I started last episode is. Uh, I Google the name of the character I made, and then I see what images come up and see which one fits. And uh, his look like this episode is freelance music journalist Beto Arcos, who <laughs> he's, he's got a pleasant mustache. He seems like a nice guy. He's written some stuff for NPR. Uh, I don't know anything about this guy <laughs> other than did a quick Google. And he he looks like if he looked more like a beta fish, he would be in the Trident Triad. So that's yeah, Beto Calvioni. He looks like an encouraging uncle. Doesn't he seem like an encouraging uncle? I think we'll maybe I'll retcon and say that uh, Sophia Ladrone is his niece. I think that's that's fun. yeah, that that's great. I like him. I like Beto. Doesn't he seem like a likable? Like he's in he's in the mob, and he he probably does some bad things, but in general, but, but with the best it, intentions. He just yeah. loves the seahorses, right? Like he got that assignment to be like you got to like make sure they're not doing anything bad down there. But he is actually like I actually just kind of love seahorses. He's kind of a horse girl. When bards. <laughs> When bards are putting on a play of like The Godfather or Goodfellas or just any mob movie, that Beto's gonna be the protagonist because he's the most likable. Yeah, in the mob. He's the he's the audience surrogate a little bit. He's the like, oh, is it really okay to be doing these bad things? Yeah, he gives a spine, even if it's a little fragile, to the mafia. Yeah. I don't know if you've established where this council will be meeting, but I'd like to offer Dark City. I think the Godleones would offer that. Doesn't have yeah. to be accepted, but I think that he would offer that. I'll allow it. It seems like maybe not. It, it seems like a good port access to the ocean. It seems like a good place to stage things to to try and deal with something underwater. It's probably also a great place for like, there's probably a lot of victims around that area yeah, based probably. on these attacks. And so it probably is like a focal point of if we're implementing some sort of strategy, let's do it from here. Let's start with a big yeah. bang. So, yeah, I think we're, we're we'll uh, take one of the conference centers out of one of our casinos in Taraco. Invite everyone to come. Well, maybe not in Taraco. Taraco is probably evacuated at this point, but in Dark City. Great. I love Perfect. it. Cool. I'm going to jump into my character. Um, I kind of, I had, I did a fun <laughs> character building prompt. Okay. 
a fun character prompt for how I built this character. So it's a little bit of, uh, let me just explain it. How I went about this character is I, I wanted to do a wizard. So let me tell you, let me tell you my character, I guess. Uh, Troy Sequestrio. He is an Ozimar. Uh, he is a transmutation wizard. He is part of a think tank. He's just like part of the intelligentsia in Scarlet Spires. Um, one of the spires, there is on top of it, um, what looks essentially like a giant fishbowl. And it's a think tank of these just like high end, uh, like a, the equivalent of Harvard graduates who just come up here and just uh, uh, philosophize and uh, spout academia at one another and don't really have great world experience, but they're just kind of living off their yeah. rich parents a little yeah. bit. Um, they probably studied Latin in college sort of stuff. But... I, I think they should Lame. study Uncommon. I think there's a language called or, uh, Unusual. Unusual. Yeah. yeah, I like that. So he's not, he's like definitely not supposed to be likable, but he does have a glimmer of concern for the general populace. Like he does okay. want to help the world, but it's more in the sense of like, wouldn't I be the hero of ballads yeah. if I came and did this? He's got long flowing hair and uh, the think tank that he is a part of uh, in this giant fishbowl, like they basically just sit on these like floating thrones and just like drift around in the swimming pool, talking to each other. It's kind of, that sounds idea. pretty so chill. It, I want to join this thing. Tank. Uh, is it shaped like a fish um, tank? It, yeah, it, it is shaped be. like a fish tank. It's shaped oh, like the fishbowl at Monticello. Yeah. Yep. Go. It's the think fish tank. Um, but yeah, so uh, he's just one of the more popular guys as far as this think tank. And I, I, again, this committee is just trying to draw anyone who might be able to help. And these guys are supposedly really smart. Um, so they pull him in um, to represent this group. And off his throne? Went, like into the water? Th they pulled him Sorry. off his throne into the water. And then he swam and ran and traveled all the way to Dark City to be part of this council. Okay. And how I went about creating this character initially is I decided I'm going to randomly select three spells off the wizard spell list okay. and formulate the plan that they are submitting based okay, on these like three that. spells. And also because all my characters are moon touched, meaning they have a little bit of wild magic sorcerer to them and it just triggers randomly. I did cheat a little bit in this episode and I went ahead and already rolled for my wild magic surge and what the effect of that is. So I'm built. I'm building his plan based off these three random spells that were signed and the wild magic search that occurs. Okay. So when Troy Sequestrio stands up and he looks like a 26 year old Orlando Bloom, uh, okay. just radiating, just everyone knows he's probably full of himself, but also can't help but be, but admire him and his, natural beauty um they're really spent with them his plan is you know what here at dark city we probably have the most straightforward gate to the the squidwards the the zealots of the big word so which we don't know by the way which we don't know but his whole plan is why not use diplomacy why not use our charm and finesse to get to them and just make out some sort of deal in which we can live harmoniously 
So what he suggests, and the first part of this is he's going to cast the spell Summon Fey. That was my first random spell okay. I drew. Um, with Summon Fey, you get to uh, create a Fey creature of your own design, essentially, and then pick an attribute to it. Um, I'm specifically pick picking a Mirthful Fey, and the Fey creature that I am selecting, and this is taking liberties, because this was not in any D&D handbook, okay. but he's creating a Mirthful Sea Unicorn. Um, and it and it's glamorous and it's beautiful and the big thing about mirthful space spirits is they can charm people magically they can convince them to other people to love them so his whole idea is you know what we got we got this this mirthful beautiful majestic sea unicorn you know what we're gonna do next we're gonna have 10 15 20 wizards we're all gonna cast enlarge from enlarge reduce on this okay. unicorn, which is the second random spell. We're going to make it grand and big. Did those huge. stack? That's never occurred to me. Yeah, I, they must, right? I think, I, the think, I think the think tank has found a way to make them yeah. stack. Yeah, I think so. Okay, Because this is going to be a huge unicorn. It's going to be the prized sea unicorn. Big unicorn. And, and Troy <laughs> and his fellow think tank committee members are going to take this to the meeting point between them and the Squidwards and say, you know what? We got off on bad terms. We didn't know what we were stumbling into. Take this prize of ours. Take this oh. this okay. majestic, beautiful sea unicorn. It's large. It's glamorous. Take it from us. We mean you no harm. We just want to go about our peaceful lives. Um, at this point, Troy's... This plan is wild. This plan... If you think about, like, not really knowing... You, we know there's someone sentient on the other side, so it does make sense that you'd go for diplomacy. But just the idea of, like, we made you a giant sea unicorn. Yeah. Hello. Please do not hurt us. We <laughs> made you a giant sea unicorn. And just assume that that's something they'd be interested in. I love it. They, they've got to love it's, it, right? It's brilliant when you think about it. Who wouldn't love a giant sea unicorn? That the Kraken, the big word, can have as his own prized pet. At this point, Troy is going to... Uh, trigger his wild magic surge effect, which is a random creature within 60 feet of you becomes poisoned for 1d4 hours. The target okay. creature is going to be the prized unicorn. Sea unicorn. Okay. It's going to get a little sick. It's going to start throwing up its lunch a little bit. And the Squidwards are going to be like, Ugh, do we really want this? But then the sea unicorn is going to stare right at them. And they're all going to fail their wisdom throws because they're going to be enamored. They're going to be magically charmed by the sea unicorn. They're going to be like, yes, we must take this to Big Word. This is the best sea unicorn we've ever seen. Maybe okay. the only one, but it's going to be sick. As it gets closer and closer to the lair of the Kraken, uh, the real, like, digested food of the sea unicorn is going to start coming out. This is the uh, crustaceans, the invertebrates eaten. It's going to just be spewed everywhere. And the Squidwards aren't going to think much about it. But then... After an hour, or whenever the wizards feel like, you know what, let's give up our concentration, turns out these crustaceans were soldiers under the effect of mass polymorph by numerous wizards, and they're going to turn back into their soldier forms that were smuggled in through the sea unicorn to kill the squidwards and the big word while they were caught off guard at their lair 
And even if they fail, at least now we know where the lair is. We can send a bigger army. So this is his plan. It's called Troy's Sea Unicorn. Perfect. I love it. Um, I love having this much detail into a plan that we might not use. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving this to the rolls. <laughs> my plan is a lot, a lot more simple. And so it's going to be wild cool. if my plan works and yours doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I lose, I, I, I just love the thought of him being on the podium and presenting this to everyone and just smiling. Yeah. It, just just enjoying the moment, thinking the whole world yeah. walks in. And is it brilliant. does sound like the plan of someone who like is very removed from reality. You know what I mean? Someone who's exactly. like, very yeah. smart and mm -hmm. very like all this. It's like, ah, I've read all the spells and therefore I know we could use them in this combination. Like, okay. this comes from the guy who only studies Greek literature, Greek mythology. So he'd be like, oh, this worked once before. Let's do <laughs> yeah. it again. The Trojan Seahorse, of course. I love it. Exactly. Do you want to hear uh, my plan in uh, comparison to that one? Yeah. Yes. All right. So we've kind of established that my character is, uh, he thinks pretty highly of himself. He's also devastated and takes his job very seriously. And so he's willing to take risks to kind of redeem himself and his lifeguard duties. And so he basically just comes to the conclusion, well, there is some entity, probably based in Shearmoth, that is causing this to happen. I am, oh wait, let me put on his voice. I am the best swimmer in the entire continent. I am also the best diver and the best puncher. So <laughs> I am going to get on a vessel. You will sail me out to Shearmoth. I will dive off the bow. I will dive underwater, find the entity responsible, and punch it to death. Nice. Or die in wow. the process. Wow. And that's uh, and, his plan. Or, or and die in the process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Troy um, very much dismisses this plan. I'm just like, can you believe this guy that he's here? Yeah. Can't go punch a thing. And I think mine is the middle way. I, what my character is going to present to the, to the crowd, to the group, is a series of plans laid out by Bill Taylor, the platypus person. Yes. Um, Bill Taylor, last episode, if you'll recall, wanted to take Taraco, un detach it from, from the walls, other than at the head, and use it to stretch it out all the way to Shearmoth, right? The idea was, like, make a sort of tunnel-y bridge. But because of the role, we went a different way, which was a similar idea, right? Make it sort of a tunnel thing that goes out there. So I think that, you know, the Cotillones, they were the ones who hired Bill Taylor to build the build Taraco right so they're they're keeping an eye on him obviously so they know everything he's doing their idea is well we just need to like do what he was gonna do right like i don't know what happened i don't think they do know the actual outcome of what happened last episode because it like you know happened so recently and it was on the other side of the world and it was all underwater all that stuff right actually the fact that it's underwater doesn't hurt because they're trying but um i think we have to right. establish they don't know that but i think what he does know is like what the plan kind of was he's gonna be like we need to build a hundred of these. If everyone from the from from the islands, from our you know continents, if all of us can get out there, there's no way that uh, this thing can stop us. It's what you know. There's they're they're killing a few people. That's nothing. Like I've killed more people than this guy, uh, and I don't even want to. So <laughs> he's just like I don't know what's out there. Like I don't know what this threat is, but I do know like if all of the soldiers, all of the people armed with their pitchforks or whatever. If we can get everyone out there, even the surface folk, I think we can just overpower and take the island. Okay. Uh, and as a bonus, you know, uh, create some clout for the family, right? Like they're the ones right. who 
who made this all possible. And they're now people are going to now be using these tunnels more. And uh, they can finally fulfill. Y- you can tell that I- I'm a little bit bitter that my Taraco role of Taraco being a successful city was so bad. <laughs> I keep trying to save it because I love the concept and it just sucks. So I'm just trying. I'm trying every time. I'm like, oh, please let this be the thing that saves that town. Yeah. You know, it can. I, I don't mind it being the perpetual underdog. Like, even if it keeps <laughs> yeah. failing, like, the fact that it's yeah. still narratively relevant, I have no problems yeah. with. Which makes fun. it also the fact that it's failing kind of feel more like it is a mob town. So. Right. Right. Yeah. You wouldn't expect it to, to be, like, amazing. But here we go. Should we roll? Love it. Let's do it. Let's roll. Uh, I got a 12. I got a 27. Um, which is weird. Uh... I rolled a D30 on accident. <laughs> um, <laughs> gonna say. cheater. Okay, no, I rerolled. I did get a 16, though. Okay. okay. And Jake? All right. Wait, what did you get, Houston? A 12. And what'd you get, Brian? A 16. Well, <sighs> it looks like this one is up to the wharf. Oh, no, really? Because <laughs> he got an 18. <laughs> Whenever we have these contested rolls, I feel like we have, we always have like the least likely option win. And the thing that I love about this, because I was thinking about it, right? And I was like, okay, how do we handle this where my character would probably come up with a pretty dumb idea, but then we're rolling to determine, like, the, the you know, approach that gets taken, and then the overall roll is what determines success or failure, right? So this would right. be an overall success, if I'm not right. mistaken. Yeah. Yes, and it is all, a success. Against, a 16 or 12. against all odds, it is a success. So people, you know, I, this is the way that I like to think of it when they're at this council and he gets up and he presents his plan that I described earlier, you know, I shall dive off the bow. I shall dive underwater. I shall find the beast and punch it to death. I think it would make sense that some of the people listening are just like, mm, okay, this guy's an idiot. Maybe we should let him try it just yeah. as like a, <laughs> as like a kind of a canary in the coal mine sort of thing. You know what I mean? Right, like yeah. send him down there and just see what he finds and see what we can learn from from him basically getting murdered by something. Well, I also think like the fact that yours is the like the plan. I think I think it means that I think he does I think he is very successful in his combat against fighting the giant kraken. Well, that but was I don't think it means Oh, go ahead. Well, I I was just going to say that like if we're just going by the book here, the reasons behind selecting his plan could be that that they're like, "All right, we're just going to kind of sacrifice him because this idea is ridiculous and we're going to send right. him out there." Let him do his thing That's just how to I see feel. what we can learn from okay. it. But when he gets out there, place role. Good. he dives off the bow. He di- takes a big old deep breath. He is a, a sea elf after all. Right. He dives underwater and he comes face to face with the big word. And what does he do? <laughs> big word. He just starts punching and 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 punching. And then he punches it right in the eye <laughs> and it dies and everyone's safe. And then that was its weak spot. Against the eye turned exactly, out. and against all odds, everyone now considers him the the you know unexpected hero. And bards shall be singing the tale of the wharf who punched out the big word for epochs to come. That's inspirational. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't have to be all that complicated. Sometimes you yeah, just need true. someone really committed to punching. Can Squidward's think... redevote themselves to to the wharf as like their new god? Okay, I love figure? that. I love that. He then comes to the surface, and when they see that he defeated the big word, they then swear their fealty to him, and now he lives on that island. And Shermoth has now become like the temple of the wharf. <laughs> so here's the question: Do people 
on the other islands? Do they know what happened? Did he ever go back, or did he just like like yeah, no, I'm just staying here? Oh yeah, well, no, I think he he stayed there, but he had to go out on a vessel that like took him there, and so there were witnesses to this. And oh, okay, cool. This There's isn't something a... that people just keep to themselves. You know, they right. they tell the tale far and wide that the seas are now safe again thanks to Darvid Hasselwarf, the the uh, legendary underwater puncher. Uh, I imagine there was probably like a scrying spell put on him as well, just to see like what he finds out. Is they probably assumed he'd fail, but at least like we can get some info, right? Like let's exactly. send out a scout. They, they were like but, monitoring him. But now people are like, "Hey, can we go convince the wharf to help us combat Colin Cumberbunch? Like, Ooh, that's our current threat going on, and a I threat that know. we've kind of forgotten about since we went underwater." Yeah. I, He's focusing on the overwater right now. Right, exactly. Slowly. And we'll ignore, more, we'll ignore more when we go to the moon as well. But I'm That's sure true. in the finale, we'll tie it all together. Okay. Hopefully. Yeah. Who knows? Um, something that occurred to me that I, I didn't canonize per se, but perhaps the Big Word and Colin Cumberbunch are in league with one another. Oh, it's possible. It's possible. possible. We have um, to find out. One, one thought that I, I just want to kind of like wrap sort of put a bow on this i think if the cultists are going to be called squidwards i think what it is is they're squid wards meaning they're like guardians wards of, of the, the squid. squid wards of the squid and i think they now have to be wards of the wharf i think they're wharf yeah. wards now wharf wards now yeah mm -hmm. wards. and wards of the wharf is a really cool aquatic themed cult name yeah it really is. It it's like totally, we stumbled totally accidentally into a really cool, like, legitimate fantasy creation. Yeah, it's like some yeah. emergent gameplay. It's it's sort of the sort of the premise of the podcast. And I, nice I like the idea. I like the idea that they still kind of operate as a cult. Yeah. And like, he doesn't do anything to stop that because he kind of loves it. You know, he yeah. loves being adored by all these uh, warfords. Um, but because he is now kind of at the helm, they have turned their focuses to protecting people upon the seas and so like now if somebody is like drowning on, at the beach a tentacle will like pop up and grab them and like huck them onto land that's awesome. yeah i love it so uh, like so they a, still act a, like a cult but they're like a benevolent cult now yeah it's a kinder friendlier cult yeah which is always fun mm -hmm. i love i love the friendly cults they're not bad um yeah what what happens to the other uh like we didn't use those solutions because we didn't need to uh, but we did roll pretty well, right? We had, like, successful attempts. Um, I'd like to establish that uh, this does help Taraco. I don't think it, we're going to end up with, like, a fully, <laughs> full, like, Taraco bridge out to Shirmov just yet. But I think it's, like, maybe just having the council in Dark City, and now that the seas are safe again, it's like, oh, we should check out Taraco while we're here. And it's like, I oh, love... cool. And it brings Taurus into the city. I, I rolled a Jake 16 and I, I want just... something for my city. I think Jake and I are just going to keep working on world building Shivalo, and Brian's just going to focus <laughs> specifically on Taraco. It's just Taraco. Yeah. Here we go. And all of the refugee uh, sea people returned to their underwater homes unharmed, and they all lived happily ever after for now. Ooh. For now. Till we what go a great to way the to end moon. An episode. To the moon. Great lead into the announcements for the end of the episode. Um, the next three episodes, we are not doing normal episodes. We are playing Monster of the Week. Um, if you'll remember, last season, there was a time when some meteors crashed down from the moon, and then we just kind of didn't talk about them again. Uh, it is because we had the idea of, we should do something on the moon, but like a bigger thing. And also, we were kind of discovering Monster of the Week at the time. So we're going to play it. 
So we're going to do a, uh, like sort of a mini Monster of the Week campaign set on the moon of Shavala, the Horseshoe Moon. And uh, we're, we'll do some world building along with it, as always. But we're going to kind of, we'll do it in three episodes. We don't know exactly how we'll break it up at this point, but we'll like make characters. We'll like figure out the history between those characters. We'll establish a little bit about uh, the humans living on the moon. And then we'll do a little monster hunt. And then we'll come Great. back to, to Shavala for the finale to hopefully deal with the villainous Colin Cumberbunch. And to tie all four sections of this season together. In some exactly. Beautiful, majestic way. Beautiful. Just like, yep. just like Chivalo, it's, it's a horseshoe. Uh, <laughs> and that's all the time we have today. Thanks for joining us on Questopedia. I'm Brian Perry. I'm Houston Bobley. I'm Jake Bush. That was up and by, and I don't think we usually say our names at the end, but I kind of liked it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I kind of liked it. The only regret is that I didn't go, I'm David Hasselwarf or whatever. <laughs> Darvid. I mean, it's not too late. You could still say I'm Darvid Hasselwarf. Does he start I'm going Darvid by his full Hasselwarf. name? What's that? Does he start going by his full name now? Yeah, he decides that it's more prestigious at this point. <laughs> it's not dorky no. anymore. No, it's now like it's respected and spoken in hushed tones out of respect yeah. for him. David uh, Darvid Hasselwarf. You know Darvid the Hasselwarf, phrase. Our savior. You know the the phrase like, "Have you heard the good news?" Or like, "Have you heard yeah. the good word with religion?" Do you think the Squidwards? Like, they go around saying, have you heard the big word? The big word. <laughs> we are he got wards. Punched. He got punched by a lifeguard. <laughs> we once worshipped the Kraken. Or we once worshipped the big word until he was punched by our new god, a lifeguard. And they all talk like him now. Yeah. We are the right. wharf wards. The wards anyway. of the wharf. Well, there we have it. There we have it.